You want all the inside dirt? That's the muck. Coming from the Montgomery basketball experts? That's the mire. I'm Montgomery assistant coach Joe Bassford. I'm Montgomery head coach Chris Grundy. And this is the Muck and Meyer podcast. This is the Muck and Meyer podcast. This is the Muck and Meyer podcast. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Muck and Meyer podcast. I am Brandon Fury here with Keith Glock. Glock, how you doing? I'm good, Fury. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. We had a great day of seven on sevens today. Team uh, nice. Team beat. Um, team beat uh, Central and uh, lost by two to Woodbridge. But the uh, first group won nineteen nothing against Woodbridge, and we'll actually see Woodbridge week three. So very pumped okay. about that. Do you guys will um, you will you see them again in seven on seven before that? Oh yeah. So. We're playing the, – there's four teams in it. It's us, Central, Woodbridge, and Borough. And it's going to be just the four of us the next, like, eight weeks. So we'll just oh keep rotating the teams. It's going to be fun, yeah. Talk about uh, potentially creating some animosity uh, yeah. as you lead up into the the summertime and stuff. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's fun. It's great. It's, it's great. It went very well today. But – you guys did not log on to the podcast to hear about that. You are here to hear about this week of basketball, which was a four week game, uh, four week week, I guess, four game week. Game week. There, uh, you go. there we go. Uh, so St. Joe's uh, took us down Monday, 46 42. Curry had 18, Rabio had 13, Prescott had 10. One of 33 from three. Um, and Curry was unstoppable when driving, I think, would be the only positive I can say um, from that game. 47-30 to 30 against Ridge on senior night. Montgomery came out on top. Rabio and Prescott each scored 15 in their last home regular season game. Curry had 11. But it was another slow offensive game. It was not pretty from beyond the arc by any stretch. And... Uh, that led into Thursday, which was Immaculata Montgomery winning 50-49 to 49 on a Rabio buzzer beater. Rabio had 20 and Curry had 12. But, again, slow game. And uh, other than that buzzer beater, it was just – there was just no offense. And it was very similar to the St. Joe's games where Montgomery takes a lead with a minute left and then – gives up a three on the other end to go down two. And this time, lucky to come out on top there. But then kind of righting all our wrongs, in a sense, with a 72-58 to 58 defeat of North Hunterdon yesterday on Saturday. Um, Prescott bounced back in a big way with 24. Curry had 16, or Robio had 14. The offense was there. It was flowing. It was great. And it was something to watch. Good to see them back in the seventies, you know, in terms of, in terms of points scored. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a pretty good place to be, I'd say. So with all of that being said, we are now going to bring in the take of the week for Mr. Keith Glock and myself. So Glock, let's hear yours. So you just recapped what was a tough week. Uh, And I think that some of it was leaking back over from, 
you know, even the previous week in, in a Middletown North game where, you know, that was really the first signs and symptoms that Montgomery was, was, you know, maybe on the uh, beginning to slide a little bit into a, a slump from an offensive perspective. Um, and then I think it bottomed out at one for 33. I've never seen a shooting performance like that. And then, uh, you know, those wins that you get, you didn't feel good about. And I think it's easy for anybody that watched watch Montgomery basketball on the mire in the last 10 days or is just a fan or goes to Montgomery to go like, mm, that's not good. And I am here to tell you that my take of the week is that you are wrong. You are dead ass wrong that that was a bad thing. I have an immense amount of gratitude that that stuff just happened. And let me tell you why. Let's go back to now. I'm old, well, certainly way older than you been on this earth more than you know four decades now which is scary eight years before i was born the 1972 miami dolphins went were the only undefeated nfl team to go on and win the championship the 2007 patriots were undefeated until the super bowl and then they couldn't even finish that off okay no ncaa basketball team has won a national title going undefeated since before I was born. And that was in the John Wooden, Lou Alcindor, UCLA dynasty days where they were like unstoppable for a decade in the 60s and 70s. Okay. There were teams that tried and got close. In the 90s, you had UNLV, the, uh, the very talented, I mean, you know, again, way before you were born, but Larry Johnson and Stacey Augman and, and those guys, they were undefeated into the tournament. They didn't win the championship. You had, uh, I know, St. Joe's in 04. There was um, Wichita State. I think that was like 2014. And then Kentucky, 2015. All those teams went undefeated through the regular season into the tournament, and none of them won the national championship. So I am here to tell you that going through adversity is a great thing. And if you and and it's why it's a cautionary tale to everybody watching NCAA basketball this year that like oh Gonzaga 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 and now Gonzaga is a great team, but if you look at history over the last forty five years, it tells you they are not going to win the national championship. Yeah. So so this adversity for Montgomery was a great thing. It sh when you don't hit a bump in the road ever. And then you play great team after great team after great team in a tournament one and done style fashion where everybody knows it's like they're playing for their lives. And in a season like this, where it's so abbreviated that everybody feels like they've been playing for their life the whole year. If the first time you see that adversity is in that big spot, that's a bad, bad thing. Montgomery, hopefully with the performance that they showed at North Hunterdon on Saturday is has shot their way out of that slump. They're going to be back into the seventies. They reinvigorated themselves with some confidence. And then Tuesday night at Ridge, I don't want to hear, Oh, it's hard to beat a, a team three times. Nonsense. Okay. This is high school sports. This is not the NFL. Like, and that isn't even st statistically significant, by the way, everybody just says that because they think it's, a, they think it's a thing. If you go and look at the numbers, that's not even really a thing. If, like beating a team three times in a season is just as probable as, as not. So like, I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm back on the, uh, not that I was ever off the train, but 
Like now I'm really fully back on the train and that's why do not panic. We're back. I am in a hundred percent agreement. You can't just walk around smooth sailing and then get to the playoffs. You're going to get blindsided. Boom. Taken out. So I completely agree. My take of the week is similar. It's Montgomery's bad days are good enough to keep them in games. We saw some of, like you were saying, some of the worst basketball definitely this season, but in a while. One of 33 is historically bad. Historically bad. And you look at that game like, oh, they probably got blown out. No, they lost by four points. So their bad days are good enough to keep them in games. And that is something that is going to help this team down the road. There isn't much time for bad days anymore, but that's why I'm glad North was able to be on the schedule, get all the badness out, get it out of our systems for the playoffs. Did you see like what, of the week. what St. Joe's did after they played us? Oh, they didn't, they, uh, they beat, Hudson Catholic, right? Yeah. Yeah. St. George which went, is went top, to top 10 team in the state, which again, that just shows like what this Montgomery team is because you lose by four on a night where you're not playing well by any stretch. And now that team that you just lost to that you could have easily beat, beat a top 10 team. So like of the week, I will give you the floor here. My like of the week, actually, I was going to, uh, you kind of, well, you didn't steal it, but that, I mean, that was it. Winning, when you can win ugly, winning ugly is great. I love it. Builds character. That is my like of the week. You come out three and one from a week where you're like, meh, we were just okay. Love it. Love winning ugly. Uh, mine is the offense was back against North. Um, they, and, and it wasn't that the, my, my in my opinion, it was the defense that let the offense come back. As soon as Josh Moore came in and him and Curry had that full court press going, they were unstoppable. Similar to and Immaculata when they had that small 11-0 spurt that put them ahead before, before halftime. When Gordy came in and it caused a lot of problems and Immaculata couldn't do anything on offense. It was similar to that against North, except as soon as Josh Moore was in and they dialed up that pressure, boom, took off. Um, dislike of the week. 3%. One for 33. I don't need to say anything else. Mine is the missed free throws at the end of close games. We had a chance to um, tie the game up against St. Joe's after – so what happened was Curry hit a layup. I believe it was Curry. And then St. Joe's comes down with 20 seconds left and hits a three. And then Montgomery goes down and gets fouled, misses the free throws, end up losing by four. Immaculata, similar thing. Montgomery was just already ahead. But then Lotta comes down. Honus hits a three. Uh, Montgomery goes down two. And couple missed chances. Prescott missed a wide open three. So it wasn't exactly the same, but it got to the same place where Montgomery's down two at the foul line and comes away with Rubio splitting free throws. And to be quite honest, it was lucky that it got tipped back in right to him and he's able to slam it home. 
So miss free throws at the end of the games, at the end of close games, would be my dislike of the week. I want to add a dislike. I'm going to dislike technology for for a second here. <laughs> I, like, dude, if if I had uh, luck at all, it's only bad luck, especially this season when it comes to technology. Pogue and I are just like beating ourselves over the head because of some of this stuff that what is what are the the stinking odds that the the feed on you like the most stable platform in the world in youtube takes up like flashes us off the screen at the moment that that that, that game is ending what are the chances of that like nah well, i'll tell you what the chances of that are worse than montgomery's one for 33 <laughs> And that is yeah. clearly saying something. So <laughs> I, I dislike technology this week. I am hopeful that, like Montgomery, we have battled through our technology issues and that we will be able to bring you a very smooth final seven days of the season. Wouldn't that be great if we could go, just go these last three games? No, Montgomery wins all three. Great offense. Technology's on our side. We can just start the stream. Boom. Nice and smooth. Wouldn't that be great? Everybody can dream, Jerry. Everybody can dream. All right. Well, now it is time for Bring the Fury. I have picked out some of my favorite plays for the week. So, and I know there's going to be a lot of anticipation for this one. We had a buzzer beater. But in any event, here are my favorite plays. Here's Bring the Fury. My first play for Bring the Fury this week is Chris Rubio's unbelievable block on senior night early in the first quarter against Ridge. Uh, good drive by Ridge, able to get through, but Rubio with just an unbelievable block. Go check it out. And it ends up with a turnover. Rubio, though, oh. wow, that's about as... His second play from Bring the Fury this week is Ryan Curry's sequence against Ridge early in the first quarter, about three minutes remaining. First, he pulls down a rebound and threads the needle to uh, Matt Prescott underneath. And then uh, right after, he had a great steal and skied for a layup. We all thought he was gonna slam it home, but did not. <laughs> but. It was still a great play, so go check that sequence out. Final play from Bring the Fury this week is the much-anticipated game winner from Chris Rubio against Immaculata after the missed free throw ball happened to bounce his way. It was unbelievably lucky, but still such a great play, and then he throws it down with two hands. So the much-awaited play, here it is. And a ridge three is no good. Nobody home for the rebound as Curry will push. He throws all the way up ahead for Prescott. Finds its way there and oh. toilet bowls it home. Just another great pass and great finish. How about that? Look and at that. Curry skying and maybe didn't have enough uh, of a runway. That Cal. Rabio. The hustle play gone wrong. That was Bring the Fury, ladies and gentlemen. And now it is time to bring on Matt Prescott, the sharpshooter of the Montgomery Cougars. Matt, how you doing? 
I'm good, pal. How are you? I am good, and I'm very excited for this uh, playoff run we got coming up. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Now to get to this point, I I have to ask. I'm gonna have to go back to this week, and it was a slow start to the week. All of the first three games, um, the the team was not shooting well, and shooters kind of go into those slumps all the time, as you're as you know better than anyone, but. There are many ways to kind of like get out of that. And I want to know what yours is. Uh, well, it's to just keep on shooting. I mean, coach always tells us uh, shoot or shoot. Um, the shots will start falling. We just have to keep on shooting. Uh, after the game where we all shot bad, uh, he had a whole practice dedicated to just like working on our form and just getting shots up. So getting back in that groove is all about staying with it just keeping on shooting. Yeah. And does it play on your morale at all when you're maybe shooting hmm, one of 33 as a team? I mean, yeah, it, it could get to your head. Um, if you just look at the stats and solely focus on them, uh, it's, it's not a great thing to feel after shooting one for 33 as a team, but you really just, you can't, dwell on it because Mm -hmm. you know what happened happened and you just gotta shoot better the next time that's it and that you certainly did um you came out against it was i mean i guess there was a game in between but you came out against north and dropped 24 points it was an unbelievable performance what what kind of went into that was it do you attribute just time and just you kept shooting or was there something that you fundamentally changed to kind of get back on track? Uh, nothing to my form. I didn't change anything to that. It was more just like being annoyed with the fact that as a team, we were shooting terribly and just seeing like, all right, we can't just start, uh, continue to settle for threes. Um, coach really hammered into us that we have to attack the hoop more. Uh, and once we see the ball start to go in the bucket, then we could start shooting from three again. So what really helped was actually getting to the basket and driving a lot more. It, it created a lot more open shots and just got us into a rhythm. So if you had to go back to the offseason and just pinpoint one thing you did to improve your game, because as I'm sure you've heard on the Meyer, we've all noticed the uh, – the pounds that have clearly been added to your, your frame this season. And speaking of driving to the hoop, you're now able to do that much more efficiently this year. So is there one thing you can pinpoint to that success or that I change? Mean, that's just it. Probably just lifting in the off season helped with defense, stamina, just athleticism, driving to the hoop. Like you said, uh, it was really big. I feel like for me and for, uh, everybody. I mean, everybody was lifting in the off season. Everybody got a little bit stronger and it's just, it's, it really helps when like you just have that extra strength, you know, when I mean, you can just out muscle people. Yeah, no doubt. I've noticed just how much more physical you all are. It's just more specifically you, um, Chris and Ryan, because Noah's always been that kind of physical threat down low, 
but the, th the three of you really have uh, improved there a lot. And how do you think that can help you guys, especially during this playoff run? How can you stay hot and how can you use that physicality to your advantage? Yeah, so, um, I mean, a lot of the teams that we play, they all have big guys. I mean, you look at Wai Chong, everybody on their team is pretty big, central. I mean, it's just – it's really going to help uh, all the weight that we put on. It's really going to help because, like, now we could just be physical with them. We don't necessarily have to settle for shots that we might – like, threes that we wouldn't get otherwise. We could just create more opportunities as a team for each other. Uh, just because we could stay in the game physically with them. It's, it's going to be big. And so you kind of mentioned a couple of teams, uh, Central and Wachong, and that kind of leads me right into the next question I had, which was how do you guys stay focused and not look ahead during this playoff run? Because there's a lot to look forward to. It's no secret. We've beat Ridge twice and we beat them when we were playing not good at all. And when we were playing good, we beat them by 40. So how are you guys staying focused on this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really important, like you said, to just focus on the next game, not look too far ahead down the road. Um, we know that we have a good chance against Ridge, uh, but like you said, we also know that we can't just look past them. I mean, they're a good team. They held us to a close game last time we played them and it could easily uh, turn out a bad outcome if we don't focus on them. So we just have to stay locked in, you know, for each and every game. If we do that, I think we'll have a good chance at uh, winning the championship. Yeah. Just some, some personal experience there. Uh, my sophomore year, 2019, we in football played Randolph. We were the three seed. They were the six seed, just like this. And we we didn't look past them, but we were like, okay, like there's more ahead. We we knew what was coming ahead. And I just can't dress enough focus on this one because I don't want to see this year that you already got so much taken away from you and there's no state playoff, there's no counties, all that. I don't want to see more taken. I think you guys have a great chance to take this playoffs, these three games. And uh, of course I'll be rooting for you. So Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Good luck this week. And yeah. we will now uh, bring back Mr. Keith Glock for the preview of next week that is coming up next. We're now bringing back Keith Glock for the final part of today's podcast, which we are going to preview next week. It is going to be very exciting. It's the closest thing we felt, the closest thing I felt like playoffs right here since uh, 2019 versus Randolph for me personally. Um, but here we go. So we got, as mentioned many times, Ridge Tuesday at home at 7. Um, third matchup of the year. And I'm in, by the way, I'm in agreement with you. Um, Montgomery needs to win that game. Um, I, no excuses. They're a better team on paper. We can say that comfortably now. It's, it, it has to happen. 
Then we are in entering the unknown with Thursday and Saturday. We will see how the tournament shakes out. Um, Mr. Glock, do you want to read the standings or the seating? Sure. I'll go through the, I'm just going to go through the top, the stuff that's relevant for us. And here you and I didn't even talk about this. We might need to have, uh, depending on how everything shakes out, maybe we'll do a little emergency podcast Wednesday or something like that. And get everybody ready for, uh, for Thursday. Um, should that be a thing? Um, but, uh, seating wise, the stuff that's relevant for us, uh, Gil and Rutgers prep, uh, the top two seeds, uh, and obviously, uh, from a hype standpoint, uh, the, the teams that the outsiders would, would figure that everybody has to go through the likely candidates to end up in the finals of this inaugural Skyland conference tournament. Uh, Montgomery is the three seed. Uh, the four seed is hundred and central and Wachung is the five seed. I have maintained all along that, uh, Wachung Hills is the team to watch in terms of, uh, potentially surprising some folks here because I, I think that they're, uh, a well-coached team, obviously. And that's not just because of our relationship with Justin Salton. I, I just, if I didn't know Salton from, you know, a hole in the wall, I would say he's a good coach and uh, he's got some very talented athletic people on that team. Um, his best player uh, Martini uh, was uh, their quarterback uh, during the football season. Uh, he can pretty much do everything. Uh, for yeah. them he plays inside and outside and and he's awesome so what um, kind of matchup is that going to be him versus Rubio? if that if that could happen that would be unreal well I, I i already ordered that one up so if we if we get to see that that means it's happening saturday uh yeah. in montgomery so uh we'll we'll take we'll take that when you know if, should we get there but uh i'll go with the the old let's get through tuesday philosophy yeah. first yeah um but uh you know it, it we, what we can say without looking ahead uh, is that if the top seeds hold, it will be Rutgers prep uh, and Montgomery in the two, three matchup at Rutgers prep. And then the one, four matchup would be Gill and hundred and central. But again, don't count out watching uh, in that five seed. Yeah. Well, folks, that is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you on Tuesday night at the Den. We'll 6 p.m. Just got changed, by the way. Oh, 6 p.m. Okay. Just got, a, just got a text while we were recording the pod. Okay. So 6 p.m., which means we'll see you around 5.30 for pregame. You don't want to miss it. So we will see you then. Thank you for listening. I'm Brandon Fury, and thank you to Mr. Keith Block for joining me.